five, four, three, two. Hey, y'all, this is your girl, Sonia, and welcome back to She Say, She Say Sports. Let's welcome back my guy, Rod Walker, sports writer for the New Orleans Advocate. Hey, Rod, how you doing today? I'm doing good. You're glad, doing good. Glad to, be back, glad to be back on talking about this. I know, right? Before we um, get into um, parts five and six, are you looking forward to Jill Scott and Eric Ledoux's battle? I am, but, you know, I'm not – I'm I'm not a big fan of them. I mean, I like them, but what? I'll definitely be tuned in. But I'm not. Really? I'm probably not as excited as everybody else is. But Are you I, I'll, de- I'll definitely be watching. Wait, Rod, hold, hold, <laughs> hold the phone. Wait a minute. I've been bragging about you being a music man. <laughs> no, I like both of them, but I just yeah, I'm not. I'll be watching for sure. I'm not gonna miss it, but okay, I, so I wouldn't. Okay, go ahead. Now go ahead. Let me ask you this. So, out of the two, who do you think is going to win the battle? Um, are they just doing – so, I think I read something. That are they going to, like, sing each other's song or something like that? Well, they, they did a video singing each other's song. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I don't know if they're going to actually do that. I think that was they were just playing, paying homage to one another. Okay. So, I'm um, not really sure. I'm not, I mean, I like them both probably equally. I probably lean a little bit towards Jill, and that's probably because I've seen her in concert. I've seen both of them, but I've seen Jill like three times, and I probably lean more towards her. But I think it'll be, I think it's gonna be good. I think we're gonna leave you satisfied. I don't, I don't know if we even have to have a winner all the time. I think we should just on this one, I'm just gonna enjoy the music. How dare you? Um. <laughs> So who you got? Um, now, who you got no, winning? No, oh, absolutely, Jill. She she will. Um, it, you know, if it's a real battle, Jill would demolish her. Jill, you've seen her. I've seen her in concert, and you've seen her three times. So you already know what she does live. She right. is, I mean, far beyond a lot of the vocalist singers out here, and she is. I mean, she ain't nothing to play with. Period. And Erica is not either. I, Erica's shows are amazing too. Erica is that chick. I mean, she she's been around since ninety five, ninety four, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, and um, it's gonna be real interesting. I'm excited so about it. It's, are they singing or are they just playing their songs? Do you know? I I don't know. I don't okay. know. I'm hoping, you know, Teddy kind of messed it up for <laughs> everybody right. trying to bring bands and stuff. So if they can get it together, that would be great to see them sing live. I would love to see that. But for anybody who's interested in seeing it, it's May 9th, 7 p.m. Eastern time, and it'll be on Instagram. So it's a battle between Erica Badu and Jill Scott. So I'm and I actually, I actually have a piece of paper on my desk at home now, and every time I hear about some kind of – if it's a DJ I like or if it's mm-hmm. – one of these battles, I got like a, that's a list of so I can keep up with all, what's going on now because that's sort of my entertainment through this um, COVID nineteen. So exactly. I, I keep up with I keep up with all of it, and I definitely have that one on my calendar. So well, I'll be tuning in. Speaking of DJs, I'm. Whew, I, I um ever since we've been at home since early March, mid March, I've been you know following D Nice. Well, I've always followed him, but I've been, um, you know, with him with his DJ. And, you know, I was there when he had 200 people and, you right. know, it's gotten bigger and stuff. And he DJs every night. 
literally right. every day and night, and I be up until like three and four in the morning. I really go to. I need to go to bed, y'all, because uh, <laughs> I I I can't. I'm just like I'm. I think I'm literally obsessed with him, and I don't know what to do anymore. I'm just like I have. To, I'm, I mean, I'm constantly checking to see if he's on, and when I see my notification come up for you know D Nice is live. You know, I'm like, whatever I'm doing, I stop doing it. I'm like, oh, you know, he on. And I need some help because he, he is so cold. I didn't realize. I mean, I knew he was good, but he is, like, really one of the best DJs I've ever dealt, I mean, ever encountered. And I'm, I am I actually asked him to play at my birthday party in July. If, hopefully we're out of here, but, I mean, oh, okay. he's so in demand. <laughs> he, yeah, he'll you know, be hard to get. He's going to be hard to get now. Oh yeah, he probably yeah. you know um, charged so much money, but who oh, I'm I mean I'm just like dude I'm loyal to you please you know help me out here July twentieth so we'll see yeah. but anyway there's another there's a DJ named his name is Big Big Daddy the DJ and he's from mm-hmm. New Orleans but he lives in Dallas now and he's really good and he's the one that I've been probably listening to the most on uh, during this quarantine and actually I got two of my uh, Two of my friends, like, we'll text each other. Hey, Big Dad is on now. We just all just <laughs> tune in to it. And uh, he's like, because he just mixes and he plays a lot of New Orleans bounce stuff. And uh, he's really good, too. He's probably my favorite one. But late at night, like, I, I check in to see if, you know, if D-Nice is on. And, I, you know, I go in there for a little while. And I don't really stay on there as, as long. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's been a good thing about this. I mean, we've got a chance to get exposed to a lot of people that we probably didn't know much about or, Right. You know, it's really kind of has gotten us through it. That's true. Now I have listened to Big Daddy a couple of times. I've seen him on Facebook Live. Other people, you know, they are sharing, and he is good. Um, I'm more, which is so weird because I'm, you know, I grew up in Mississippi, lived in Texas, so it's more, you know, more. Most people here like Dirty South, right? Hip hop. However. I've always been an East Coast, Chicago, West type of hip-hop music. You know, I love house music for Chicago, and I love East Coast and West Coast hip-hop. And I, I like some, don't get me wrong, I do listen to some Dirty South rappers, but it's just, and music, but I, I just prefer it. So, but I, I do like Big Daddy. It's, his name Big Daddy, right? Right, right. Yeah, I do like, he is pretty decent. I, I like him. So I I have listened to him a couple of times. Okay, let's get to what we really came for. Um, Last Dance, parts five and six. We opened up um, part five with the Kobe segment. How how was that for you, Rod? It's tough, and I I put something on Twitter as soon as it happened to me. Just whenever we see Kobe, like when we see interviews now, and when you first see him, like you don't even realize. You don't even think that he's gone. I mean, you still yeah. you know, think he's here. And then, like, 30 seconds of the interview, I kind of it just kind of hits me like, dang, Kobe's not here anymore. So that's always just the tough part whenever I see a Kobe interview now. Um, but, I mean, you see it. I mean, when he talks, if you close your eyes and listen to Kobe talk, you really don't even know which one. You don't know if that's Kobe talking or if that's Michael Jordan talking. Right. That's, how, <laughs> that's how similar they are uh, just in there. Just the way they talk and, and their mannerisms and yeah. everything they say. Yeah, I mean, it just it sounds like you're listening to the to the same person, really. But you know, I, it, was, it was great that they were able to to work him into the documentary because he definitely uh, deserved it. I mean, he 
basically was he was kind of Michael Jordan 2.0 pretty much. Yeah. You know? and, so it was just good to see him, you know, be a part of that documentary. I, I didn't know how I was going to feel regarding this segment because, like you said, it's still un- unbelievable that he's gone. And I'm going to say this right here, and I'm going to run for the border. <laughs> just, I, you know, I was thinking as I was watching it the other day, um, Sunday, I was like, wow, just think had they blew the horn on this COVID-19 earlier, COVID may have still been here because they would have, you know, everything would have been kind of shut down like it is now. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, because apparently they knew about it then, but they didn't do anything about it. But anyway. Yeah, I hadn't, um, even, I hadn't even thought about it that way. That's an excellent point. But um, obviously, yeah, I, I mean, we know yeah, life doesn't work that way, but yeah. Yeah, I, I thought about it, and I was like, wow, you know, if they had a, you know, taking care of this earlier on, he may have still been here, you know, because July 26th, people were dying from, you know, this disease now and at that point then, but I don't know. I, I just, I don't know. But anyway, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, meaning it was not as sad. I like that they showed the bond between Michael and Kobe and the respect that they both have for one another. And, you know, during the All-Star game in 99, Kobe was the youngest player that year at age 19. And I have, and I'm, I'm sure you have heard the story of what Kobe was asking MJ, you know, when they were arm-to-arm arm on the court that day at right. the All-Star game. And, you know, he was pretty much asking for tips on, on how to play big defense um, players and defensive players. And I believe at that moment, in, in my heart, I believe at that moment MJ was passing the torch on to him then. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. That's what I think. That's what happened during that that weekend was really, um, and that's why I'm glad they. That's where they, you know, showed in, in the documentary was that that particular All Star game because I think that is when when they both sort of well, Kobe always looked up to Mike, but I think that's when Mike decided, yeah, this is the guy, and he had respect for him, and mm-hmm. Kobe obviously asked good questions or, or whatever. So I mean, I think Michael understood that you know this is a guy who. Who he could pass that torch to, and who could who could handle it, and um, you know the rest is sort of history. And you know they they showed them like <laughs> they were kind of making fun of Kobe, I guess, in the in the locker room before the game, talking about how he doesn't pass the ball or whatever they were saying. And right. <laughs> um, I thought it was just kind of funny to hear him being that you know talking that much about this young guy in the league, and uh, that showed that he had you know sort of <laughs> made his mark enough that they were talking about him. And I thought that said a lot about Kobe as well. But, yeah, I mean, he definitely passed the torch to him that, that weekend, and, and Kobe took it and ran with it. Right. And, you know, like you said, he respected Kobe as pretty much as the only one that could beat him or possibly surpass him. And, you know, I like when Kobe was talking, you know, he, he, you know, he was saying he's my big brother. What you get from me is from him. And that, that says a lot about, you know, and don't get me, like, you and Rod, you've seen my posts on social media because I'm like, he's trying to be like Mike. I, You know, and I'm, I've, all, I've never been a Kobe fan. And, you know, we talked about that once on the right. show. You, not not until after he retired. However, I respected his game. I mean, because, I mean, well, it was Mike's game just about. And, you know, but he he put it, he, he pretty much said it, what you get from me is, from him, and his bond with him was more than what people thought or knew about, and 
you know, to think that he was calling Mike all the time, you know, when he needed advice or just, you know, needed guidance from him, that says a lot. And it explains, because he was not crying at Kobe's memorial. He was weeping. He weeped at that memorial about Kobe. And most people right. only seen or heard of MJ just wanting to win, but he, he truly loved him and it broke his heart, you know, that he's gone. And yeah, yeah. And, and at the memorial, yeah, I was gonna say at the memorial. I mean, you could really we we saw a side of Michael that we hadn't really seen before. I mean, he cried exactly. at the at the Hall of Fame thing, uh, but this was a different type of crying and a hurting. And I mean, you can just tell it was. I mean, you know, it was genuine, and um, we had just never seen that. So I mean, it tells you the kind of impact that that they both had on each other's lives, which is exactly. you know, I mean, we all we all knew how much of an impact Michael had on Kobe's life, but to see it you know, flipped around the other way was, you know, this said a lot right. about, about their relationship. It says a lot about it. And, you know, and so I'm, I hope with um, the memorial, you know, with Mike showing how he felt about him, and then this segment, I hope that, you know, like with the who's the better, Kobe or Michael, just let it go. I mean, <laughs> we yeah, all. Yeah, and, and that was my thing after the, um, when Kobe died, and I, I was one of the ones who would always get in those debates, like, and after they died, you know, I said, I, I said, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm just going to appreciate the greatness and of all of it. I mean, and I, I think it's something that I think black people, I think we do it more than anybody. Like we, I always have to compare our, our people, and we shouldn't have to do that. We can just, it's okay to just appreciate them all, and we don't okay. have to, one doesn't have to be better than the other. And but we that's just something that we do, and um, hopefully one day we'll get away from it. But because when you do it, you always you always end up pulling one of the other ones down, and we shouldn't do that. We should just it's okay to lift everybody up. We don't have to tear one down and lift somebody up. So I just think we need to stop comparing greatness. Um, but I, I know we won't do it, but it's something we should do. And I totally agree. And it, it you know not only does it tear one down, it divides us. And right. I've seen, and I'm sure you have, you you know, and shoot, I've been stubborn and read 132 comments because <laughs> y'all, you know, y'all fussing over LeBron. And I'm like, are y'all freaking kidding me? I mean, one thing about me, I don't debate at all on social media. Because first of all, I don't know part, half of y'all on there. Not, you know, like, you're not that close to me that I, could, right. I would even care to debate with you regarding basketball especially right. millionaires who are not going to pay me to, you know, debate. So my thing is this, and you and you see my post, I say what I say. People can come on there, you know, and say what they want to say, but I'm not going to debate you on how I feel. You, you telling me, you know, because everybody knows I'm a Michael Jordan fan to the day I die and right. have always been, and this documentary they can say what they want. Everybody knows he was the greatest basketball player <laughs> to ever do it, period. And if you can't go and look at these um, documentaries and see for yourself, then you're really not a basketball fan. You just, you're, you, you're a basketball player fan. You right. like players. You're not a fan of the game. And, you know, it's a, it is what it is, but I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm hoping that we stop doing that which it, we probably won't because I, I don't know where that came from, you know, putting one person down and lifting another one up 
and it's not good. It, it really is not. <laughs> it's not good at all. But the thing about it, you're not going to change anybody's minds for the most part. Right. If somebody likes somebody, that's who they're sticking with, and yeah. whatever you say, whatever arms you throw out, they're not changing. So what's the point? I mean, it's just like politics. I mean, you know, people, they're on one side, and they're not giving up any um, of their ideas. I mean, they, they believe what they believe, and they're not switching. So. That's true. And that, I mean, and that's, I mean, that's all you can say. I mean, just keep scrolling if you don't like it, and, you know, let's move on. <laughs> but speaking of moving on, one of the other interesting stories to me in Part 5 was the Nike segment. This was so informative. It was in a very informative segment for me because, one, I never knew Arthur Ashe had a shoe line or even his own racket line, mainly because I was a toddler when this was going on with him. I was a little, I was a little right. girl, five, so I didn't know. And, you know, I never knew that they were trying, you know, like, you know, like a shoe line for a basketball player, like that was unheard of. Right. <laughs> and, I, you know, that was weird to me. But what was your thoughts on this on this segment? Uh, that was, out of the whole documentary so far, it was probably like, the most informative, it's probably like the one thing I didn't really know and didn't really remember. I do remember, the, I remember when Bird Magic and Dr. J were all rocking Converse. I remember that. And I remember, I still remember Nike being really good with that, like, track and cleats. Because I, I remember in high school, like, I had Nike cleats. That's what, what I wore playing baseball. But, um, like, just seeing how big Adidas was, I remember Adidas being really big, but I didn't really... I don't know if I really knew how much Adidas like dropped the ball. Like I mean, it, it could have been there if they wanted it. And they just they they got to be still kicking themselves because of that. Because I mean, I don't even know if you don't even really see Adidas much anymore. But man, uh, and it was what two hundred what was it two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal? I forgot what the deal was, but. Yeah, um, and Mike's mom had to talk him into it. Basically, I mean, she's like, go listen to him, and go. yeah, <laughs> and. and Go ahead, I'm, sorry. You look at, I'm saying you look at where where Jordans are now. I mean, they're they're the shoe, and uh, just to see how that all started was, you know, pretty fascinating. And uh, I just remember even being in high school, like I I could never afford Jordans. So I never had a pair. And then last year, I ended up buying a pair for the first time. I said, I'm just gonna get some. And then I sort of got addicted to them, and now I got <laughs> several pairs. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of weird how that all started. And, you know, what, you know, speaking of Adidas, when you said, and I was just thinking the same thing, I'm like, they got to be kicking themselves in the butt with this one. And I wonder if they fired the person that told his agent false, you know, no, nah, we're not going to, you know, deal with MJ. It's just like, I wonder what was the reasoning behind that. And it may have been the best thing for MJ to not go to Adidas because they were established and may not have given him the attention he needed as a new athlete. You know what I'm saying? So Yeah, yeah. Whereas Nike, they to me, Nike and MJ grew up together. They, they did. You know, I they, mean, they, they yeah. were only expecting to make three million that first year, and ended up making one hundred twenty-six million dollars with MJ. So it's like they grew up together. You know, it was like the collab was good for both of them. And yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I was agreeing with you. I was just saying, yeah, they they sort of needed each other too i think and it just it mm-hmm. worked out uh it just kind of amazing how so many things in michael's career i mean you go to like 
from the coaches he had, from Scotty coming, everything just seemed to line up for him like it was yes. supposed to be. I mean, it was just it was just meant to be for him. So uh, that was that was another perfect um, a perfect marriage, I guess you could say. And you know, and it's like you made a va- a very valid point. But every when you just said that, but another thing, whenever he always said no to something, and people was like, I think you need to rethink this, and you know, he ended up you know, getting his first championship when he finally agreed, you know, yeah. to, it wasn't about him, it was a team. He got his, you know, first major contract with Nike, and it's still very lucrative for him 30, 40-some years later. I mean, it's right. just like everything, like you said, it lined up for him. And at first he was, you know, there was, you know, he didn't want to do it, but that's because, you know, he was a kid, and, it's, you know, Adidas, and at that time my Adidas was out, um, by uh, Run DMC. Run DMC, yeah. So, you know, that would have been, you know, he probably was visualizing, oh, you know, the commercial be that music playing, and I got on Adidas. And so, right. you know, you, you never know. But I'm so thankful that, you know, it worked out for him with Nike. And then he ended up, I was watching an interview um, with Spike Lee on GMA the other day. And, you know, they put Mike and Spike Lee together. Yeah. And Mike, Spike Lee said Mike didn't even know who he was or watched his first film, She Gotta Have It. But he was willing to work <laughs> with the young director. I mean, you know, and the rest is history. You know, they, they did their first commercial together, you know, with, with Nike. Um, right. What was the Mars? What was Mars? Mars Blackman. Mars Blackman. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mars Blackman. And so, you know, it's like that ended up being a budding relationship between Mike and MJ. You'll see them. When Mike was at Madison Madison Square Gardens, and they, you know, they verbally bantering back and forth while Mike is playing, you know, it was cute, and they were, you know, they were friends, and it's just, it's amazing how those two relationships just kind of, I mean, it it helped Spike Lee too, because nobody knew Spike Lee, and you know, after on that after being on that commercial with Mike, it was, you know, people were more interested in who is Spike Lee, and you right. know, his his acting and directing took off as well. So, you know, Mike had a couple of more endorsements that year, Wilson Sporting Goods and Mickey D's. And, <laughs> I, you know, I again, I, I am I, – I really believe I'm his biggest fan, but he he is so freaking cocky. And, you know, he was like – but he told the truth. My game – was my biggest endorsement. Had I not put up the numbers, I wouldn't got the endorsement deals. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's what it was. I mean, his his game spoke for itself, and everybody. And we hadn't seen anybody who played the game like he did. I mean, obviously, uh, Magic and Bird sort of, you know, they got people watching the NBA. I guess really, right. but I mean, Michael just sort of took it to this whole different level with just. I mean, he says just a game, but I mean, he had some swag too, and that that played that played into it. I mean, yeah. I mean, he was yeah. I mean, he was if he was, I can't even think of anybody, but I mean, he he had everything that it took to to sell the products that he was selling. I mean, he had the look, and he just you know he just kind of had it. He was different from everybody else, and uh, he had this confidence and this this confidence in himself that you could you just saw it. And I mean, I think all that helped sell whatever everything that he wanted to sell. That's true. That's true. I, I I totally agree, and it's it's amazing how you know even 
it's been years since he played basketball, maybe 20 now, 19, 20 years, and people are still, which I didn't, you know, I don't like when they be fighting over, you know, sneakers and stuff, but I heard they were in line in Georgia buying sneakers the other day. I mean, <laughs> During the coronavirus, like, like, what, like what are y'all crazy. doing? But, yeah. That's crazy. You know, he's still selling Hanes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's like, my thing is this. <laughs> You're saying this man is not the GOAT, but people are still saying he's the Michael Jordan of. You know, you know, that's what people are saying. And I, I'm like, are you, you know, I still don't get it. But, I mean, it's amazing how his, his name, after all of these years, is still selling right. items. <laughs> and and it's, sell, it's selling the items to people who never saw him play. Yes. I mean, I mean not, this, this isn't just us standing in line. These are people who are. Kids. 15, 20 years old who <laughs> have never seen him play. People who were buying his stuff before this documentary even came out. Thank who you. All the, all the, they had just heard the name. And, yeah, I mean, that, I mean, and it'll go on for forever. I mean, his name's, yeah, I mean, 20 more years from now, they'll still be lined up to buy him. So yeah. um, he's definitely left his mark. It's amazing. It's amazing. Well, let's get to the side that <laughs> – I, I really don't like this side of Michael, and and <laughs> you know, because I don't want anybody to think that I'm doing these, you know, um, these this inter- these interviews with you, talking about the last dance to just talk, you know, all angels dust and good stuff about Mike, because it's not right. about that. He is human, and he had a lot of flaws, a, right. a lot of flaws, and um, Lerod, we have always known that MJ is very competitive. He even admitted to being addicted to being competitive. However, for you to get angry because someone compares another player to you is on a whole other level (laughs) for me. Let's let's talk about Clyde Drexler and MJ. What were your thoughts about the comparison of the two and how MJ handled um, finding out that people were comparing them? Um, I think if Clyde had said it himself, it would have been a reason to get upset, but it was just like, some reporter just kind of kind of made the comparison, and people might have said a little bit. But I think Michael was just so competitive that <laughs> he just – I think sometimes he would almost make up stuff in his head to make him <laughs> compete hard. Like, I think he needed that, like, it's like oh. his way of self-motivating himself. I no, I, no, I really think he was – I really think it pissed him off, but I also think that he sort of – like I say, I think he just sort of creates stuff to make him more competitive. So if that's what it takes to get him going, I think that's what he had to do. And I think he – I mean, you saw it with Clyde. You saw it with, with Dan Marley, uh, with Phoenix. I mean, if you think you can stop him, he just – or you think you're comparable to him, he's going to make sure that you know. Not, not just make sure you know. He's going to make sure everybody knows. Everybody that, knows. That you're, that you're not – that's, so, you mean, know that, that's what drove that's what drove Michael Jordan. You're right. I, you may have you may have a point. He may have just made stuff up in his head. But um, Danny Ainge said he knew it was over when MJ was saying nice things about Drexler when people was you know asking him about the comparison, and yeah. he knew it was over because he said he was going to demolish him when they were on the court. And one thing I, I one thing I do love about MJ versus some athletes now 
they poised him and got him ready for media. He, you know, he never really said too much of a crazy stuff, you know. He Right. And then, with, I mean, like, even though it bothered him that people was comparing him to Drexler, he never let on, on to it. It was, a, you know, the commercial back in the day, secret, never let them see you sweat. You never right. let anybody know something bothers you. And I always tell my nieces that I'm like, you can be dying on the inside. Do not ever let people know that they've gotten to you because when they know they've gotten to you, then they got you. Right. And they know how to manipulate a situation to get you angry. And so, you know, when he would talk about him, you know, oh, yeah, Drexler's, you know, great, great player, blah, blah, blah. But he was like, but I'm going to show you how he is not me on this court. And, you know, Magic even said when they were playing the night before, um, you know, a card game, and he was like, he was going to give Drexler, he was going to give it to Drexler, and he didn't want anybody to have anything over him. And the shrug, that's where the infamous shrug comes from. Right, right, right. Because he was dropping the threes. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he was like, Magic said, MJ was never satisfied with just beating you, but he wanted to put his foot on your neck. Right. <laughs> and, and not just in basketball and everything he did. I mean, it's everything he did. Yeah. That's, wow. So, I, I don't know, and I was watching Mike Wilburn from ESPN the other night at, after the last dance. Did you see that? Mm, I watched – I don't know if I saw him. I saw – I was watching some of Scott Van Pelt. And, okay, yeah. I don't, mm-hmm. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if I saw Wilburn talk about it or not. Yeah, Wilburn was later. But he mentioned that, you know, he brought up Alonzo Mourning <laughs> to Mike. And he was like, why you why you bring him up to me? And – he got angry, and I think they played um, Miami the next night or whatever, and he actually though only scored three points against him because of what Wilborn said to him. He didn't like it. And uh-huh. it's like, you know, don't bring anybody up to me. <laughs> That's why I'm like, he. how did Kobe get a, a pass? I mean, <laughs> Was it that he knew Kobe wanted to be like him so bad and that was an honor to him? You know, I'm like, why was he different versus the other guys? I mean, he yeah. just didn't he didn't like it. Right. I think he may have seen some of himself in Kobe, though. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know that, but I'm just saying, I think. And, I, I mean, if Kobe, yeah, and if Kobe walked up to you during the game, I mean, I think you, you know, my father and I even used to some young guy walking up to him asking questions. And Kobe is such a student of the game. I'm sure Kobe was asking really good questions, and Mike probably almost had to respect him. Like, okay, this kid knows what you're talking about. That's right. what the, uh, I'm just – I don't know that. I'm just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I just – I mean, I'm like, this dude is off the freaking chain. I mean, he's so freaking competitive. It's just like that's just life for him, you know. I don't know. Yeah. But um, even his kids – I'm trying to move on from that. His um, children, they did an interview with GMA last week. And Jasmine, you know, the baby, the daughter, she was like, you know, they asked, was he competitive? She was like, he's very competitive. Um, he even competes with us, you know, just playing Sudoku or right. doing a puzzle. And Marcus, the second child, he said that he was a freshman in um, high school and he, Mike, and Jeffrey were playing basketball 
one-on-one-on-one, and Mike was being so competitive that he had to call his mom and be like, Dad <laughs> is bullying me, Mom, you know, and so yeah. it's just to make him stop. <laughs> right. It's, you know, I'm like, where did it – I wonder where it started. I mean, was it – I don't know. Yeah, because I think something like that has to start, like, in childhood, I think, like – I mean, I really we talked a little bit last week about brothers. right, but we talked yeah. about that a little last. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah, that that's something deeper than that. I mean, you don't just, I don't think you're just born like that. I mean, and maybe you are, and maybe he was born with something that none of us were born with. But yeah, I mean, he's ultra competitive, and and it, I think yeah, I think it just goes back to the, the competition between him and his brothers as a you know growing up. Right. Before I move on from um this, you know, with the Drexler and Portland. When I saw them talk about Portland, I smiled because I was actually in Chicago when the finals were going on, and a friend of mine, Christine Simon, she lives in Chicago. Um, we went to the China Club one night, and it, we we had just got there. I hadn't even been there maybe – we may have been there maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and who do I see but Jerome cursing? So, <laughs> Well, you know me. I I don't meet any strangers, and I'm not a I'm not afraid to really talk to anybody. So I walked up to him, and I was like, "Come on, Christine, because she she doesn't really know basketball like that, like the players." Yeah. And I was like, "Come on," and she was like, well, I, "I need to go speak to him." She was like, "You know him?" I was like, Mm-mm, "Come on." <laughs> so we we go over there, and I'm like twenty twenty one, and I was like, I look up, I you know, I hit his um, arm, and he looked down, and I was like. Hey, you know y'all gonna lose tomorrow because you out here kicking it tonight. And he start he looked at me and started laughing. So we go back and forth for about a minute or so, just you know talking. He's like, "No, I'm good. You know, I'm you know I'm not gonna even be out late." I'm like, "It's it's twelve thirty now. We had just got there." And right. so, needless to say, they lost the game the next day, and um, I'm I blame Jerome Kersey and I thank him at the same time because. Uh, <laughs> You know, it, it's just like it was just funny to me, and I'm like, maybe I got in his head. You know, maybe I got, you know, <laughs> like I really did something. You taking co- you taking some credit for it, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll never forget that. That was so cool to me because you know he didn't, you know, act crazy or nothing. You know, he right. just he thought it was funny. You know, like oh she cute. Yeah. You know, she think we're gonna lose. What well, they did. So, um, <laughs> but I just had to put that out there. Now, <laughs> throughout the series, uh, Rod. MJ is a snitch. Um, he, he snitched. That, he's kept a streak going. He's like he snitched every Sunday. Oh my God! <laughs> I mean, when I say he's telling all the tea, and I mean it's just like, I guess he's doing it to clear his name with some stuff. For instance, with Isaiah not being a part of the Dream Team in Barcelona in '92. What was the beef with Isaiah and the reason he was not on the dream team in your in your perspective, from your perspective, rather? Uh, I just think, I mean, I do think Jordan had a lot to do with it. I mean, even when he asked um, Rod Thorne, like, who's all on the team, like, who's playing when they asked him. That was funny. <laughs> right. I mean, to me, that, that implied that he was making sure that, hey, Isaiah's not on this team. But I just think um, – I mean, Isaiah with the Pistons, a lot of people didn't like the Pistons because of how they played, and Isaiah was sort of the, you know, I mean, he was the man on the team, and so he, I think a lot of that fell on him, and so I do think people, I think Bird probably didn't probably didn't care too much for Isaiah. 
Well, he said he said it was Magic, Bird, Pippen, and himself that didn't want us there on the team. Right. So he, I, that's I just, why the snitching part came in. He told it on all of them. Yeah, he told who. Right. He said, right. So um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I, I I mean, we talked about it a little bit last week, I guess, but I hate that for Isaiah because based on basketball skills, talent, he's a baller. He needs to be on that team. He was one of the yeah. at that time. He was one of the best players in the league, without yes. a doubt. And uh, you know, but I, I guess I get it. I mean, you got all your everybody who gets along pretty well, and this other guy that nobody really likes. I mean, and you got to be, you know, in Barcelona with them for however long they were over there. I mean, I, I get it, but it was wrong. Yeah, it was wrong. And but yeah. it's still baffling to me that we that was ninety two. We're in we're in twenty twenty. Twenty eight years yeah. later, and I, I cannot believe that they're still talking about that. And I just you, can't. I'm just baffled you, by that. It's it's very baffling, but at the same time, like you said, it was definitely wrong because he was way better than Stockton. Who else was on right. there? Um, and and Chris I like Chris Mullen was on the team. Chris Mullen. It was another. Um, Christian Leitner was on it, but they had. But Christian Leitner, they they had decided to take one college player anyway. And Christian yeah. Christian Leitner made it. So, I mean, he probably shouldn't have been on it. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, I mean, Isaiah, I am not a fan of his, never has, never have been. But he was a straight baller, period. Yeah. However, um, you know, the, the, the harmony between them may not have been the same had he joined the team. You know, the camaraderie between them, you know, yeah. they, they were But I think, I think even that, though, I think, I think it would have been one of those things where, you know, sometimes you might not think you don't like a person because of how to, you know. But then when you hang out with him, you say, well, you know what, this person really ain't as bad as I probably was. Mm-hmm. And I think it probably could have got like that if they had let Isaiah come. But maybe, I don't know, I mean, because I didn't even realize that off the court it was that personal for them. I thought, you know, I mean, you don't like each other when you're playing, but I just figured, you know, when the game's over, you get along but. Apparently so they, couldn't, they, they couldn't get past it. So. so you're thinking if Isaiah had been on the team, the chemistry and harmony would have been the same? No, 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 no. I don't – well, the way they're acting now, probably not. But I just think that – I think when you hang out with somebody, I think I think you probably can get to – I think you probably can realize that, you know, what this dude wasn't – he ain't that bad. And Isaiah mm-hmm. and Matthew, were, they were close, you know, they were best, friend, best of friends for a while. So I, I just think it probably could have been – moved over if they really wanted to, but it seems they had their minds made up like, look, this dude's not playing with us and that's just how we this is how right. we doing it. So. Well 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 first of all, the back to the who was playing, first of all, that's one or that's one thing I don't know about other people, I can only speak for the black community, but you <laughs> you've even said it. Who coming? Who are who, who, who are gonna be over there, yeah. That's who what we wanna know. Yeah. And when we find out that uh, and it's usually one. We usually ask about one person. Yeah, when we ask yeah. that question, we usually got an idea. Like we're trying to find mm-hmm. out if if that person is gonna be there. So yeah. Yeah, and when they say that person's name, right? Like, oh, I'm not coming. Right. And they be like, well, no. I mean, why? Well, you know. Well, no. You know. And sometimes you, yeah, you would think sometimes you can get past certain stuff, but I'm sure it's people. And I don't hate anybody. However, I don't. I don't vibe with everybody. Right. I, you know, I, I'm I'm a fun person. I I can get along with the best of and most people. But for 
some folk is just like I don't vibe with them, and I don't want to be around them. It's just right. something about them, and I think a lot of, you know, theirs was just, you know, like it was. It was a lot I more personal than I think people realize. Like, I mean, really yeah. yeah, it's it's way more personal than what we know. You know, we everybody like so he tripping over a handshake. Right, no, it, it had to be deeper. Right, it had to be deeper than that. Yeah, it's more to it, and I think Mike probably still was holding stuff because of how they was kicking his butt before he, they went in, and yeah. then the handshake, and then you know it may have been some words. You know, internet was out wasn't out back then, so right. shade room wasn't out, so we don't know. You know, stuff could have been said that we don't know anything about, but. Right. Um, I was just now I was shocked to know that all of them didn't want him to play. I was I was like, wow, you know. Right. And I it was it was it was interesting that how they bonded on that. And speaking I of, saw like, some, I saw I something know. yesterday with Michael Wilbon that tweeted something out, and I didn't see what his original tweet was, but originally Wilbon came out and said like like like, like nine of the players didn't want Isaiah on the team, but yesterday mm-hmm. Wilbon retracted and said that he stands corrected that it wasn't nine that it was. It was less than nine. I don't know if that meant eight or what it meant. But, but still, that's right, still I, almost the whole team. <laughs> right, right. So, Even um, if it's four or five, that's, that's right. quite a bit. Yeah. That's a lot. And it's just, yeah. you know, it's just like, wow. I mean, and even how, you know, I was speaking, I mean, I, I, I mentioned camaraderie earlier. As we mentioned in part one, Scotty was having contract issues, and one of the reasons was that $1.6 million that they left off the contract, they were holding it because the Bulls were holding it for Tony Kukoc. And, you know, Jerry Krause, again, he rubbed the team the wrong way, you know, because he wanted this dude. They didn't know who he was. They didn't understand his obsession to get Kukoc. And Tony didn't even come um, to the Bulls right away because, you know, um, Yugoslavia was going through a war. However, MJ tells the team, the dream team, to get cool coach and defend him hard. And it's kind of like they were, Mike is a bully. I'm just, <laughs> again, biggest fan, but I, I, I recognize stuff. He was like a bully. And they held him, to, I mean, which is fine, you know, defend him. Don't hurt him, but they held him to four points, four points the first game. They beat him by 30. And, you know, the second game, Ku Coach had to show him he wasn't no punk. Right. <laughs> you know, he had 16 points, six assists. They still lost, but he ended up gaining their respect after that. Do you think that MJ and Scotty were wrong how they treated Ku Coach without even really knowing him? I don't know wrong. I don't know if they were wrong for how they – yeah, I mean, they didn't – you're right, they didn't even know him, and they, they, were, they took it personally, and they shouldn't have. Right, but they could have taken it personal, but not on him. They should have maybe said some crafts about it. But yeah, I was like surprised when I when I saw how they just kind of went at him during the Olympics. And um, but I mean, it ended up working out. I mean, Kukos proved himself, and they they eventually accepted him. But I was I was a little shocked that they took it that personal that they didn't want this. They wanted to show them that this dude didn't deserve to be on the team, and they basically just kind of locked him up. You know, locked him up, and he couldn't do anything in the first game. So uh, right. Yeah, and that and was, that's uh, I mean, that's your job. Yeah. You know, you're getting paid yeah. millions of dollars to do that. But it was just like y'all did it because y'all were 
you know, you hurt my boy Scotty, so let's get him. And they followed suit. They got him. And, you know, it was, it was just interesting how I'm just like, oh, my God, he's a bully. I, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word for it. That's what he was doing. I mean, he, he was bullying. Yeah. And he was so much better than everybody that he could. He could do it. I mean, he can just say, okay. And they follow. Right. And they just follow, yeah, and they just do it. So. It, it was, it was, that was interesting to see. And, you know, yeah. after the Dream Team, when they, you know, they win the gold medal in Barcelona, you know, make, you know, MJ makes it very clear, his loyalty to Nike, that he was not wearing the Reebok um, logo on the jacket. And, you know, he was trying to, like, cut it all out, like, get a whole new outfit or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, you know, Reebok was like, man, we didn't already, you know, made these um, windsuits or whatever they were wearing, you know, but he fixed it where he draped the U.S. flag, USA flag across the Reebok Lego, um, Lego, logo. And it's just, I didn't, I didn't understand. At that time, I didn't realize how deep it was. You know, we're learning so much right. information behind the scenes because, I noticed, you know, everybody noticed the flag draped over. I was like, oh, he's so patriotic, you know, because that's when I was so in love with him. But yeah. it was for another reason. So, yeah. Go ahead. I think I, I remember hearing about that, like, when it happened. Mm-hmm. But to me, like, if he had wanted the Reebok logo, like, we had seen it, I wouldn't have thought anything about it. Like, I wouldn't have thought he was, you know what I'm saying? Like, I just wouldn't have, it wouldn't have yeah. been that big of a deal to me. I said, okay, he got on. You know, he got on he got on his Reebok. Like nobody would have thought any less of him, and I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought he was being unloyal to Nike. Like I just didn't I didn't really view the tennis shoe war like that. I just thought right. You know, but obviously he did, and I mean, it, you know, it was a good thing that he did. I guess I mean it it did show some <laughs> some loyalty, and I think that had a lot to do with why people. Um, I mean, even today, I mean, these NBA players like whoever they're with, I mean, they're just not going. You know, they just. They're not going to budge on that. They're going to stick to whoever their shoe contract is with. Yeah, that's true. That That is true. And it's, it's just, um, it was just, you know, I was amazed. I I, I don't count, I, I don't know if I, rem, I remember a little bit about it, but I don't really, I guess I didn't, like you, it didn't mean that much to me. I just thought he was being very patriotic. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, it it was just interesting to hear that story and to even hear him, you know, on on film recording, you know, saying he's not gonna do it. This is like yeah, no. man, he was like yeah, he was like curt, he was like mad about it. like I ain't doing that BS or whatever he yeah. said. Like he was he was like really like anyway, yeah, it just wasn't that serious to me. But yeah, he like he felt he wasn't you weren't gonna make him wear something that he didn't want to wear. That's yeah. not his confidence. Oh. Huh? Right, or do nothing he didn't want to do, and that is for sure. Now the dream team, the dream team truly changed the face of basketball after the Olympics. I mean, they were like rock stars. And after this, MJ was a true household name across the world. You know, his commercial from Gatorade, like Mike, that came out after that. And I mean, to this day, like we mentioned before, you know, people are still saying he's a Michael Jordan of this, and you know, it's just. I wonder, do you think some of the greats may have taken offense? To like the light commercial. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I thought they did. Cause I think, I think everybody just looked at Michael as like the ambassador of the game. I think eventually, yeah, because yeah. I think because of him, 
the game became global, which meant more money. And I think everybody appreciated it because they knew that, you know, inevitably it was going to affect their pocketbooks because the salary cap, cap was going to rise just because of the game had just gotten so big. Because he had a lot to do with it. So, so mm-hmm. I think I think they probably appreciate it. I don't know if I, like I can't. I don't know any players who were who came across as being jealous of him or felt like he had was taking too much of the spotlight. Like I, I never really saw that with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I saw some. I, I know some. I know some fans who didn't like him because he had probably gotten too big. But uh, for the most part, yeah, I don't think any players. And even to this day, I mean, everybody seems to have the utmost respect for him. So I, I, I can't. Yeah, I don't think that was an issue. I mean, I remember how big that commercial was. I mean, it was. Oh my gosh. I mean, you was <laughs> you were singing that song and. So, yeah. It was on probably ten. 20 times a day. I mean, it, right. was, it was played all the time. And you're right, yeah, it was it was a big, big, big song. And one of, probably one of Gatorade's most um, lucrative campaigns because yeah. they, you know, it was that was pretty big. But because MJ is, is truly a household name now, especially in the, at that point he was a, a big household name, especially in the black home, most felt that he should, be the face for the black and civil rights movement that was going on during that time. His mom, again, you know, she got involved uh, with Mike, wanted MJ to support Harvey Gantt, who and publicly endorsed him in the 90s for a Senate race in his, um, was it his home? Was it, it was North Carolina, yeah. Yeah. And so, that, you know, he they wanted him to do it so he can get the vote to win the election against Jesse Hamm a known racist who killed the idea of the Black Museum and the MLK holiday in North Carolina. Of course, we know Mike refused to endorse him publicly, but he supported Gantt with money instead. And at this point, you know, he lost a lot of credibility with the black community. MJ said to him, you know, he he said on um, on the documentary he wasn't an activist, and a lot of um, athletes aren't activists. Magic, Kobe, Dak, Cam Newton, Shaq, just to name a few. However, the GOAT, Muhammad Ali, was an activist. Do you think MJ had any responsibility to the black community to be more as an activist to do due to notoriety? I think in that instance, with Jesse Ham's past and what he had done, I think he should have, but I don't, I mean, if it's I, I don't ever try to tell a person to do something they don't believe in. And right. If, if Michael didn't, if that's not how he, if he didn't feel strong enough about it, that's cool. He gave his money. I mean, even today, I mean, I wish he had. And I wonder if he would, if he had a chance to do it over again, would he? But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, he had a lot to, I don't even know if he, had, I don't even know if he would have lost a lot because, I mean, his fans weren't going anywhere. I don't think people are going to, Stop buying his shoes because of it. And maybe some of, maybe some of the, what do you say, Republicans buy sneakers too. Maybe some of them would have. I don't know. And, <laughs> which I didn't. I had heard that quote before, but I didn't even realize that it came because okay. of it. Differently. Yeah, I, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know the context of it. But um, yeah. I mean, that, that's one of the things that he did. That I don't know if I thought much. If I would have thought much about it then, but. As I get older and I realize how important it is for somebody to speak up for us, I wish he would have, you know, done, done, you know, spoke up again and, and 
and endorsed him in publicly. I just wish he would have. And I mean, I know people say that the election was supposedly pretty close, and Mike probably could have pushed him over the, you know. Had, oh, had he, had oh, he endorsed him publicly, he would have won. Right. So I, I mean, yeah. So I, I hate that he didn't do that, and that's one of the things. I mean, if you want to, <laughs> okay, I, I'll go ahead and mention LeBron now. <laughs> I was trying not. To, I didn't want to do it this time either, but that is one of that is one of the things that I uh, appreciate about LeBron is that he didn't really care about yeah. the repercussions from it. If there was an issue, he'll he'll speak up for it, and and it, and that may be something LeBron learned from seeing Michael not do it. Maybe he said, "Okay, well, I will do it." I don't know, but I mean, I do. I have a lot of respect for him for for being able to being willing to stick his neck out there and on issues that. Most athletes are just kind of, you know, just profiling on. So, um, but saying all that, I just I, I do wish Michael had done the right thing. I mean, not the right thing, but I wish he had done that. But if it's not him, just don't. I mean, don't do don't do something just because we want you to do it. So right. I respect it. I and respect it, it. I just don't agree with it. And it, it I, exactly, and it it probably would not have been authentic had he right. publicly did it. Um, he would have been like forced. And right. I don't see him being that type of dude, being forced to do anything. And like you said, with LeBron, I'm not a fan of his. Again, I respect the game, but I respect him more off the court. And yeah. I appreciate him for standing up for certain rights, you know, um, people getting, you know, blacks getting killed. I yeah. appreciate him for bringing light to that because he has so many fans. and. Right. These people think he is the GOAT, and, you know, so he can, you know, when he speaks out, people listen. And right. Michael, you know, it was a different time. You know, if he had been around, like, you know, like getting guidance from Muhammad Ali or somebody like, you know, like who was kind of militant, and Mike is right. not, he's only militant on that court. Right. He's uh, when he's competing in something, golf or something. He's not right. militant in other seems like in other areas of his life. So, right. um, you know, you never know. It, it, I think it would have made a difference, and he probably would have won. Right. But you know, but, you know, I think back to that time though, and that was um, I don't know. Rodney King was like Rodney King beat us like ninety one, ninety somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah, ninety ninety two, ninety one. Ninety one. Whenever, well, yeah, early nineties, but. And I was in college then, so maybe I just I probably wasn't even in tune enough with what was going on. But I don't remember any athletes at all like saying anything about that. Neither. I mean, I can't think of one, and maybe they did. And I just like I said, I was in college and probably wasn't paying as much attention as I should have been. But right. I just don't know if that was really the. I mean, in the eighties, I mean, people were doing it, and you know, like people like Kareem in the seventies and Jim Brown in the sixties, you know, they were all doing that stuff. But I think in the nineties, we may have been at a point where. We were starting to like come up a little bit, and mm-hmm. I just don't know. If we, I don't know if black athletes were really just doing that then. So I'd have to go back and look to see if anybody. I don't. I don't remember. I'm like you, um, Rod. I don't remember any athletes being active in civil rights for um, equality for blacks, yeah. and you know anything. I don't remember that. And especially, you made a valid point with the Rodney King. Because that, that, that was huge. And it was like right yeah. there in the middle of all this, and I just can't remember. like Right. 
And that's when yeah. they started filming, you know, that's when they first started filming stuff because, right. you know, the Rodney King thing. And, right. you know, I, I just don't remember that. I don't remember. That's a right. valid point. But, you know, we never, you, we'll never know. Um, he just doesn't like to do it. And that's his, I mean, that's his prerogative. Yeah. So, moving on to part six. Um, part six goes more into MJ the man, the ups and downs of being a superstar. You know, everybody wanting a piece of him and having to be on 24-7. Part six pretty much opens up with MJ in a hotel alone, well, besides the cameraman and the reporter. And he even, you know, mentioned, you know, I, he mentioned something like, you know, I, I'm, I'm here kind of by myself, well, except y'all here. Right. He, he said it sarcastically, but he was like, I really want y'all gone. <laughs> but, right. you know, again, that's that training he had in media um, to just keep it cool. Um, we all, you know, and I, I feel like everybody needs a long time. We all need to compress and rest our minds and bodies. And, I mean, think about it. We, our, you know, our lives, I, I'm saying normal lives because compared to his, you know, it's it's no comparison, but think about the time when we need to rest our own selves and our own bodies and minds, and think about the entire world wanting your attention, to have to be camera ready at any given moment. You know, you can't talk, you can't be who you really want to be, and you mentioned last, last I don't know which, last week or the week before, we talked about MJ and the Bulls in the social media age. Right. You know, after seeing what he was saying, how do you – well, I'm sure you feel the same way like you did a couple weeks ago. They wouldn't have managed well. What do you – I mean – I think either he wouldn't have managed well or or he would have – because I think a lot of times, I'm going back to LeBron again, I think Mm -hmm. he manages it well because he grew grew up in it. And I think if Michael Jordan had grown up in the social media age – Maybe he would have adjusted, but as he was then, you just dropped him into the social media age now. Like he would have struggled with it because he couldn't have. I mean, just being in the, under the microscope like that would have been very difficult for him. But I, but I do think, again, if he had grown up in, I think you can adjust to it, or you, you have to adjust to it. If not, you go. He wouldn't have lasted a year if you don't adjust to it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely different, and. And back then, I mean, he was the first one to really go through that kind of, you know, just being in the spotlight like that. And basketball is a little different from from other sports because basketball, I mean, the football players, you could – there's some football players, you could see them out in the street, you won't even know who they are. You won't even know who they are. Right, because they wear wear helmets. But basketball, like, everybody knows you. I mean – But just like I knew who Jerome Kersey was as soon as I saw him. Right, right. He was like, just long I'm like, right. that's Jerome Kersey. I mean, right. you, you he, wasn't the, he wasn't even the best player on the team, on Portland Thank team, but, but you still know him because <laughs> I knew him cause I that's how they're out the there. Right. right. And so, I mean, it's definitely different for them guys. I mean, they, yeah, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it's, it's, and right. And even to this day, you know, Mike doesn't have a page. You know, that's just something he does not do. And right. like you said, LeBron – Dwayne, you know, they can adapt to it because they grew up in it. Right. Um, Kobe, like, you know, I think he may have had his page while he was playing ball, but he wasn't on his page. Right. Not all the time. So, but when he, you know, got, you know, when he retired, you know, 
he was on there. He enjoyed, you know, you know, it was just like different for him. It was I think it was relaxing for him. But he right. wouldn't have been able to do that while he was still playing ball because his folks right. was like, I gotta win. This is childish. It's stupid to me. You know, right. Right. what is yeah. this? So, you know, I you know, but it's just it's just interesting, um how you know, he just was like he even said his lifestyle is nothing to envy. You know, right. people like envy, like, oh, I wish I could be like Mike. Even the commercial, I want to be like Mike, but do you really want to be like Mike? You know, right. after seeing everything that he has gone through, do you really want to be like him? You know, you want the fame and the money and the, you know, the the fortune and stuff, but you really don't want to be Mike. You right. know, it's just, it's, nah. <laughs> I, I just, but, and I didn't even think, the stuff that he was going through, though, I mean, obviously you got people watching you and waiting outside of the arena for you all the time. But other than that, other than the casino, you know, him going to the casino that night and him getting asked about it, like I didn't even think that the stuff that that they were asking was really that bad. I mean, he went to the casino and they wanted him to explain it. But I didn't think – to me it didn't seem overwhelming, but, I mean, obviously it was. I mean, you, you living under that microscope 24 hours a day, would it, it would wear you down, so I get it. And we haven't even seen his family, like, in this at all. Like, I mean, he, they're, this they're is, coming. Um, uh, Marcus, what it is? Yeah, he mentioned, because he's seen them all except nine. Um, okay, okay, okay. He said that they, well, Jeffrey was like, you know, he's seen it for the first time like we are. But Marcus okay. was like, I couldn't wait. And he called his dad and whoever else. He was like, I need to see him now. <laughs> so okay. He's seen all nine, but the tenth one, they're still working on getting right, that one. Yeah. Yeah, and I actually so, noticed. I know this reporter in uh, North Carolina, and I did like her podcast the other day. But we were talking about mm-hmm. football and Cam Newton and stuff. But anyway, she actually has a bootleg copy of the of the whole thing, and she's like, "You, you want me to send it to you?" I said, "No, I just want to. I just watch it on Sunday with everybody else. I don't even yeah. want it right now." Yeah. <laughs> now, if so. she had to ask you that the first week, you would have said, "Yeah," because you want it all. No, nah, I said no. I mean, I, I said that, but I. You really I enjoy watching. I enjoy I watching with everybody, and just yeah, I don't want to. Yeah. I, I, and it gives me something to look forward to every week. Cause right, yeah. If I had to watch it all, I don't know what I'd be doing the next few Sundays. So, yeah, I, no, no, I wouldn't we, want to say it. We only got two more weeks, though. I know. It's only two more. I know. It, it I, flew I'm by. so sad. I, I just yeah. don't know. But speaking yeah. of, you know, you mentioned the gambler, gambling. You know, as we know, he was a, he, Mike was a huge gambler, and there have been a couple of books written about his gambling and documented stories of his gambling. You know, he was asked about his gambling problem, and, you know, MJ said he didn't have a gambling problem. You know, I mentioned, or he said he has, has a competitive problem. What do you think about, I mean, do, what do you think about what he said? I think he has a, had, I won't say has, I don't know what he does now, but I, I think he had a gambling problem. And I think mm-hmm. he, I think him saying he had a, a competitive problem was just his way of downplaying his problem. And, and I've known some people who are, who were addicts and lost mm-hmm. a lot of stuff from gambling. And I think they, I mean, and it's in addiction. I mean, you don't, people have a hard time admitting they have an addiction because they always think, oh, I can stop if I want to, but really they can't because if they could, they would. Right. Uh, and I, and I, I think, I mean, you saw how much money they talked about him, him um, owing people and just some of the people he was golfing with. I mean, those were some shady people. Um yeah, when you when you get involved, right? When you get, I didn't know that. I didn't know about Slim. I didn't know about him. I did. 
You did? Okay, I didn't know that story. But so, yeah, I, I think he had a problem and he just didn't really, and maybe he didn't realize it. And when you got that much money, you may not realize it as much as other people. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. Michael wasn't losing his, as far as I know, I mean, he didn't lose his home or anything like And that's what he was like, saying. He didn't, he didn't. And that's what he was right. saying. He like regular like, people do. That's what regular gambling addicts lose. But he didn't lose any right. of that stuff. So. And he was like, if I had a problem, you know, have I lost my home? You know, you know, I haven't. I'm, you know, my I still have money, but look how, you know, you have a lot of money. To yeah, a lot of money, right. <laughs> so, so, um, so to answer your question, though, I think he, I think he did have a gambling. I think he was addicted to it. I mean, he was, he was gambling with the security guards. I mean, just, just anything, yeah. everything was playing cards and playing with the, you know, the, with a lot of money in the back with Scotty, and then going to the front and playing with, I think it was Will oh, Purdue yeah. or Pax or whoever. <laughs> well, so yeah, I mean. Yeah, yeah, but he just like, so he just always had to but, gamble, but, and I, I, I don't know if it's just competition. I think that's some. It's I mean, a problem. Some, it's a yeah, problem. it's a problem, right? Like, I mean, and and you know um, when uh, Will Purdue was like, you know, he playing back there with starting them for hundreds and thousands of dollars, but then we're playing for one dollar, and they, and he was like, y'all, hey, we are playing. He was like, why do you want to play us? And he was like just to beat you, take your money right. and just to say I beat you. It was just like right. he was obsessed with beating everybody. It didn't everybody, matter. Everybody, yeah. It's, you know, it's just like, I mean, I'm like, wow, you know, my, uh, Mark, right, you said, you know, um, you know, when I beat you and my sister, you and my sister um, <laughs> in Bible school, you said you were competitive. And, you know, even in Bible school, you were competitive. Yeah. Do you think his competitiveness is, is that a problem? I mean, no, I don't think it's a problem. I think that's what I think that's what separates guys like that. I think even um, I use Drew Brees for an example because he's a person I cover every football season and just mm-hmm. being around him, he's super competitive like that too. And I don't know about I don't, he doesn't gamble or anything, but he's just one of the people that wants to beat you in everything. Like they do, it doesn't matter what they're doing. He'd be playing basketball, just whatever. He just wants mm-hmm. to win, and I think when you get to these great athletes, I think that's what separates them. I mean, that's what that's what separated Kobe and Michael, and I just think that's and Drew Brees, obviously one of the best quarterbacks ever. I just think they have this competitive drive that most of us can't even we can't even relate to it because we just we're not really wired like that. Right. As much as I, as much as I wanted to beat you on the on the quiz, I mean, it, it just wasn't, it wasn't that serious for me. I wanted to win, but it wasn't like. For my sister. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they, yeah. So, I mean, they, um, yeah, those, those guys are just wired different, differently than the rest of us, I think. I agree. I agree. Um, and, you know, speaking, you know, Anthony Anderson, everybody was talking about, I mean, everybody been talking about Mike this week. Anthony Anderson was on The View the other day, and he told the story where, him and MJ was on an island, and he beat Mike in dominoes with with Mike's dominoes, and he did not speak to Anthony for three days after that. And I'm like, but that's your prick. He didn't speak to him three days because he beat him. And it seems to me, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier, it seems like he's trying to overcompensate for something with this. It's so, I mean, it's, and it, it or it just, like you said, he just, we're not wired like that. It's like, I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. I mean, even with back to Slim Bowler, you mentioned him earlier. 
Slim Bowler, you know, this dude is shady. I mean, it's like, you know, he had gone to jail regarding drugs and different stuff. And he met Mike um, because he had a golfing, um, like, selling caddy carts or something, I, I believe. Okay. And, you know, but he, you know, he ended up having to go. He owed him $57,000. He ended up having to go to testify regarding Bowler. And, you know, of course, he got cleared. You know, he wasn't penalized by Commissioner Stern. But do you think the story of his relationship with Slim Bowler and having to go to court saved MJ from kind of spiraling out of control? Because it's like he headed to a real dark place with this gambling thing. Yeah, I think so. And I think the documentary probably, I don't know if they, I don't know if they're going to circle back around to some of the gambling stuff or not, but I thought they sort of glossed over it a little bit. And I mean, they I mentioned it. I bring it up again, especially dealing with his dad. They have to Right, I think when his dad, yeah, I'll I, I be curious to see. Yeah. That's probably what I'm really looking forward to, seeing how Michael addresses his decision to go, you know, play baseball and all that. But um, I do think, I don't know, I mean, I think, I, again, I just think he had a problem. I think there were some bigger issues that I don't know if we'll ever know all right. the details of it. Um, that's why I'm really looking forward to this Sunday because I assume this is when they'll get to it. But um, this is kind of a chance to address it. And, you know, if it doesn't get addressed now, it might not ever get addressed. But you never know. I mean, Sunday somebody might come out and tell them, you know, what they know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this all plays out. But um, it's probably like the one part of his career that everybody's intrigued by and just want to know. Like, mm-hmm. I, mean, I guess you want to know. Some people want to know. Some people might not want to know because it, I mean, it could possibly be something to, you know, put a little, you know, might tarnish his legacy a little bit. But um, so I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what they say about it. Well, I'm one of those people who want to know because yeah. I, I'm, I'm praying that he allows them to be truthful and say yeah. what needs to be said because, it, you know, it's a lot, you know, you're here and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, it's just like I knew, I've always known him to be, he's competitive. Like, I love what Magic said. He, he, want, he, he want to make sure he put his foot on your neck. I've yeah. always known that, but it's just like some of this stuff is like, it's too it's wild to me. And maybe because, again, like you said, we're not wired like that. Yeah. And would, you, just, would you want to know something about his legacy? Would you want to know something if it tarnishes his legacy song? Like if they, I'm just throwing this out for an example. If mm-hmm. if they came out Sunday and said, "Yeah, the league made me," they wanted me to kind of step away because of all the and I'm just I know this is just an example, but if they said mm-hmm. something like that, would you want to know, or you kind of just want to, you just it, want him to it, be? It, it wouldn't tarnish his um, legacy for me because okay. I know who he is as far as a player. I know right. what he did on that court. And right. again, like I mentioned earlier, he's human, and he and right. you know that gambling is definitely a flaw in his um, armor. That right. was an issue, and yeah. um, no, it would it would not for me because I'm I mean I'm diehard. Even with me talking right. about you know I'm like he a snitch, he you know he a right. bully. I see all of that, but I still see Mike as Mike to me. That another right. thing, like you say. But, you know, people, you can't change how they feel about right. a player or a certain situation. And nobody can say anything to me that, you know, I, I can't, 
I, I mean, he's human. And as right. long as he wasn't hurting children or doing something stupid like that, you know, right. I, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I, I'm just like, right. he gambled. Okay, so yeah. some of the players, they, they do drugs. Some of them, yeah. you know, beat their wives, but you still right. are famous. Right. <laughs> so, and I do, I do think gambling was looked upon differently back then than it is now. Like, if a player was, if somebody was going to Vegas now, again, like, nobody would even, it wouldn't even be a big deal, really. Right. I mean, because, you know, but it was just kind of viewed a little differently back then, I think. But yeah, that's true, and that's true. And um, who have we been talking a while, but I'm, I'm going to hurry up. Jordan Rule, um, written by former writer for Chicago Tribune, Sam Smith. That book, um, it opened a lot of eyes. You know, it, it was saying how Mike treated the players. For instance, uh, it was told Sam Smith told to Sam Smith that MJ told teammates to not pass the ball to certain players, and if they did, they would never get the ball for him again. And there have been reports that Horace Grant was telling Sam Smith this. Well, right. Mike said it too. Mike snitched again. But <laughs> Horace said, you know, he denies the allegations. And said it could have been anyone. Because a lot of people, you know, they was, you know, even though they played with Mike, they didn't like Mike. Right. And you know, so you know, it's it's just interesting how all of that stuff was coming out. And you know, he tried. He wanted crowd fired because he felt like, you know, he sat Phil Jackson down and read parts of the book to him regarding things that Krauss said allegedly about him. So right. it, it was just, you know, I, I, you know, it was interesting. Do you think there was some truth to Jordan's rule? Yeah, and I think, I just think, as, I think when he was writing his story, I mean, I just think, I just think he talked to so many different people in that locker room. And I think when you talk to enough people, and not just in the locker room, I mean, you put, you, right, you just piece it all together. He talked to, and I do think, I mean, he probably talked to Phil and talked to crowd, everybody. And I think you mm-hmm. just piece all that stuff together, and that's usually how those books come about. And uh, so I do think there's definitely a lot of truth to it. And I don't think it was one person just, I mean, there might be told, one person told who, all of that, right. Right. Uh, he may have told you a little bit more or something than everybody else, but I think it's just a, you know, just a collaboration of a lot of different stories, and you, you piece it all together, and you get a picture of who the person is. I mean, that's kind of what storytelling is anyway, and I think that's what I think that's what happened. And uh, I, I don't think Horace was a snitch. Horace may be the person he talked to the most, and and I'm sure for them to say that there must have been some story in there that that he told only that only Horace. You know, you you say yeah, Horace probably knew that, and you probably say okay, well he must be one that told, but uh, I don't think it was just him at all. Hmm. Yeah. And Jordan, Jordan, the last one needs to be talking about somebody snitching anyway. Because, <laughs> <laughs> baby, been, when I say she's been telling the tea, I'm like, oh, right. my God. You're telling everything since the first series. But, I mean, <laughs> some of it he was telling to, you know, clear his name. Yeah, yeah, to clear his yeah. But some of the stuff he just, he just talking. Even when the guy was on the plane and he was like, you need to go to bed and you always out. He was like, man, my mom and I'm watching this. I mean, <laughs> right. He, he was just talking. And I'm like, Mike, shut up. You know, I, I don't like, you know, I don't like a lot of snitching. I don't like that. <laughs> so, 
mean, he was, like, a lot of times he was snitching for no reason, like just like, yeah, like for that, like the case you just used, like yeah, that was no reason to be doing that. No reason. <laughs> it was just like you need to go to bed. I'm like, Mike, mind your business. I mean, really, just leave it alone. And you know, um, one more thing about the gambling. You know, one of the biggest issues with the gambling came when he missed the trip to the White House after winning the championship in '91. He claimed he was on a, you know, a family vacation, but come to find out, you know, he was with Slim Bauer. And, um, you know, and that is just like, what is, you know, it's just like he, certain stuff, he just, you know, that that showed me that he he had an addiction then. Right, that's what I think, that's when you making up excuses and why, that's, those are usually signs of an addict and uh. Yeah, and I just think we just have to accept that's you know that's just who he was, and I mean he had the money to do it, and most of the time, especially and that's gambling, why he didn't think it was a problem. Right, it, it starts out small, and then all of a sudden you owe somebody millions and millions of dollars, but it all you know, it's, like I said, it starts out small, and you don't. He didn't realize he had a problem. He, obviously, he didn't realize he had a problem. I think people mm-hmm. close to him knew, uh, but yeah, but I think Charles mm-hmm. Barkley is even he may have like hinted. I mean they. Because Barkley gambles a lot too, I think. I think he's probably addicted to it as well. But um, they got a lot of money, so they can do it. Yeah, and you know, it's, it's just wow. Yeah, that's. I guess I don't know. That's I don't know. I gambled. One, the first time I ever gambled was in Vegas. I was with Jackson State, and I was a voice major with the choir. And I don't. My mom was like, "Don't you go to Vegas?" We went to several different. But she, you know, we were going to Las Vegas. She was like, "You go there, gamble." I'm like, "Gambling?" I mean, I, in my mind, I'm like, "I've never gambled before." Right. And we stayed at Circus Circus, and at that time in the '90s, Circus Circus was like hot stuff. Right, right. And those lights was spinning. <laughs> and Out of your name, when? Oh my God! I lost a hundred dollars, yeah. and so mind you, I'm a college student. Because she said, if you if you go there gambling, don't call me for any money. So I didn't have money going to uh, a couple of cities after that. And, you know, people had to, like, buy my food until I got to Chicago <laughs> and my family's there. Yeah. <laughs> so my family ended up, you know, having to give me money. But my mom, I just told my mom that story a few years ago. So after that, I never gambled again. I'm like, oh, that's it for me, you know. So right. I guess because I'm like, I don't have money like that to just be – Losing that hundred dollars, right. it was like a million dollars to me that day. I was right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, speaking of you know, you know, when he when they were in New York and you know they were um, in the Eastern Conference Finals, they were two. They were down two and zero, oh, and MJ was tired mentally and physically. That was a hard battle for them. That game, that series was a hard um, fight for them. And his dad suggested, you know, they go. Atlantic City just to, you know, relax. Right. It ended up being a problem. You know, the people, you know, people had issue with this because they didn't feel like he should have been doing that during the playoffs. And, you know, that's when people finally, you know, saw that flaw in him because at that time, you know, I think we may have heard or here and there a little gambling, but yeah. that's, you know, we really saw it was an issue. So I, I don't know. And then the guy – which is Richard Aqu- I can't pronounce his name. Aquinas Esquinas. Esquinas, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Michael yeah, and Yeah. And you know, he said that Michael I didn't know about that book either. 
I remember that book. He yeah, said he yeah, yeah. $1.25 million for golf, you know, yeah. and it's just, you know, I, I'm i hoping he's gotten better with this. You know, he's gotten some, you know, because he wouldn't even, when all of this was going on, he didn't even talk to the media to the point his dad had to talk to the media for him. Right, right. <laughs> he was mad. <laughs> it was like, you know, he was pissed, but he ended up responding by, you know, winning games three, four, and five, and, you know, they ended up, you know, closing it out in Chicago. But, you know, it's just, I don't know, he gets fueled. I think, you like you say, he he puts stuff in his head to kind of get fueled about certain yeah. stuff to make yeah. him win, you know. So, But um, I was going to talk about Phoenix, but we've been talking a long time, <laughs> a long time. So what are you looking forward to as far as next week? Um, again, I mean, so episode six, they basically finished with him uh, beating Phoenix. Um, and his dad dies in July, like, you know, a few weeks after right that. After so yeah. I'm just curious to see, you know, how they talk about that because that was such a big um, – it was like a big story when it happened. And, uh, oh, and I can't God. remember. What, was his dad – was his dad missing for a few days or no? Yeah, he was missing. Just find, he was missing. Um, he was missing first, him. right? They found right. Lexus on the side of the um, highway. Yeah, and, yeah. Right. And, so when all that was going on, I mean, it was such a big deal. So I'm just, you know, I want to see, you know, just what they say about it. And I want, I'm want. i looking forward to seeing them talk about, you know, his decision to to walk away from the game and, and pursue baseball because I'm one of those people right. who think it was a little bit more than just, just that. And I, I don't know. And that's just me. Speculating no, on. I, I have no I idea. I totally agree. No, I, I, it was more than just. I think he needs to step away because of what happened to his father. Um, baseball was probably. He's competitive, so he needs to do something else. He needed to. I mean, I do think that he's so. I think he's so competitive that for whatever reason he was leaving, he couldn't just leave and go home. He needed to be doing something to. He needed, and, and it was. And that's probably relaxing to him. Baseball right. is not as, you know, competitive as base, um, basketball or golfing for him. So that part, I don't know. We're just speculating. But right. I really think it has more. I always thought that his gambling has something to do with his father's death. Right. Um, I don't know. I'm hoping they really do, like, get into that. You yeah. know, they did. You know, the guys are in jail that did it, allegedly right. did it. Um, but it's just, it's just interesting, you know. I that still bothers me. I cried about that and dying. It was just, you know, because I was such a fan. I had been so, you know, I called them Mama Dolores and Daddy Jane, <laughs> you right. know, because I yeah. wanted to know him back then. Yeah. But, and, but uh, that's that's the one part of Michael's story that I don't think any of us really know, and it's the one we side really that don't we, know. That's the one, yeah, and that's the one thing I want them to dive into. And I, again, I don't know how much they will and. I understand if they don't. I mean, sometimes you just want to let stuff go and just move on from yeah. it. So I respect whatever, how they handle it. But um, Yeah, I, I agree. I'm like you. Whatever they, you know, give us, but I still want them to be as authentic and honest as right. possible. With right. Because if I'm just going to get the same stuff that we were getting back in the 90s, then I don't, right. I don't want it. Right. So far, we have been getting information that we did not know about. And I'm glad about that. You know, that's why we can sit up and talk about this and exegete how things happen because we have more information. It's not just right. what we heard 
back right. in the 90s. You know, right. he's, we're, we're learning a lot of new stuff. So I'm, I'm excited about that. But, yeah. so Rob, well, thanks for joining me again today. Um, looking forward to Sunday. And, yep. um, you know, please tell the listeners, to, you know, how they can, re- you know, reach out to you. Um, on Twitter. Or follow am, you. Yeah. On Instagram, it's rwalker1906. And on Twitter, it's rodwalkernola. And that's it. Okay. And please follow me on Facebook at She Say She Say Sports and on IG at She Say She Say Sports 23. Well, that's our show for today. Thank you so much for joining me. And until next time, this is Sonia with She Say She Say Sports, and I will see you on the radio. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm How long do we go? Oh, my God. It's, well, we talked about, we talked about 20 minutes before we even started. Before. So we've been on the phone an hour and twenty some minutes. Uh, Mike is gonna kill me, and that's I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call you right back because I want to tell you about the interview I did yesterday real quick, and then I'm gonna let you go because I gotta cook. All right. So, all right. Bye.